Welcome to the latest episode of Physique Science Podcast. I'm your host, Lane Norton, along with my co-host, Sohi Lee. And uh, I know we've been gone for a little bit, guys. Uh, We're alive. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are alive. We're really sorry about that. Uh, but, you know, the holidays get going, and uh, we, we had a... I had a great episode with Dr. Lehman recorded, and then a computer issue lost that episode. So we're definitely going to get him back on the show. Uh, for those who don't know, that Dr. Lehman's my PhD advisor, uh, and uh, he's just a, a unbelievable wealth of information. Um, so I was really upset that we lost that. Um, but bigger than that, uh, we also had a very big event in Sohi's life. Uh, Sohi Lee is now Sohi Walsh. So he got married. Who is that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so why, was, why don't you tell us about it? So what did you, uh, oh. where'd you get married and uh, where'd you go on your honeymoon and how was the whole experience? It was a lot of fun. Uh, December was a really crazy busy month. It was December 6th in Savannah. This is where we live right now because Evan's in the, Evan's in the army and uh, luckily we had no rain that day. Um, and it was outdoor at a, one of the traditional squares, Orleans squares, which is what uh, one of the things that Savannah is known for. Um, so that was fun. And then I took, I'd say, 10 days off of work. I, we went to St. Lucia for our honeymoon, which is why you haven't really been hearing from me or us, or it was dead quiet. And then uh, and then after that, we, we flew to Korea for, for a week, which is where um, I'm originally from. So we've been kind of, you know, off the face of the planet. And now we're finally back. Yeah, I, I knew you were gone because... Um... I woke up and I'm like, why does my phone say I have 100 unread emails? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's right. So he's on her honeymoon. Ah, uh, well, we'll let that slide. We'll let that slide. So that's all right. I, I picked up, I, I picked, I picked up the slack that, that for that one, but that's all right. We don't mind doing that. Uh, but I definitely missed you and it's good to have you back. <laughs> so, uh, today, on today's episode, we have a, a really special guest, a friend of ours, uh, Lauren Conlon, also known as Loco. And, uh, Lauren is, is pretty unique. Uh, she's, she is an IFBB bikini pro and she won her pro card at the, uh, 2014 NPC nationals. Now, for those of you who aren't, uh, real familiar with, uh, bodybuilding or bikini or the NPC, um, nationals is by far the biggest show and most, most difficult show. And, uh, Lauren not only won her pro card, won her class, but she won the whole thing. She won the overall in bikini. And this was really, uh, cool for me because I've been working with her for going on what two years now. And, uh, it was, it was just a really, uh, cool experience to be there with her, her parents and her family and her friends. And, and, uh, uh, Paul Ravello was there and Will Grazion was there, two of our, our, our coaches. We, we work with, and uh, it was just a really awesome experience. And uh, it's also very cool because Lauren uh, has a bachelor's in exercise science and is doing her master's in exercise science as well in Dr. Bill Campbell's lab, who, you, as you all know, we've had him on the show, and he's awesome. And so I want to welcome Lauren to the show. We're going to talk about a lot of this stuff. But first off, uh, why do we call you Loco? Hey guys, thanks for having me on here. It's such an honor to be on the podcast. Uh, you came up with a nickname. It was camp was the first year. I still like hadn't met anyone. I came into camp and he's like, oh, put nicknames on the t-shirt. I'm like, well, I have a nickname. And some people used to call me Low in high school and then I'm a little crazy. So Lane just kind of came up with Loco and it stuck perfectly. So. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, a little crazy. We'll go with a little crazy. So anyways, um, you know, we always, uh, our guests, we always like to talk about kind of, you know, how they got into training, what got them interested in competing, that sort of thing. So you, now when you were younger, you used to ride horses. Um, talk, if you want to talk about that and also like what, what got you into thinking about competing physique wise and was like there a moment or is it just kind of something you gradually got into or, uh, so tell us about that. Well, yeah. So as Lane said, I used to ride horses competitively. Uh, all through high school, um, from the year seven all the way up. And then I also ran track and cross country for four years. And I had various injuries. And I had, you know, this crazy case of like tumors in my knees and all these things. So I couldn't run for six months um, my sophomore year. And so going into the summer, you know, all I knew how to do was run. That's run, run, run. It was a distance runner. And then I started weight training. And I always kind of started liking the weight training parts more than the running. 
uh, for track. And then as soon as I graduated, I couldn't wait to just get a gym membership, train, you know, whenever I wanted to, not like, oh, we have to run repeats and then train, you know. So I was super excited. And then that same summer, I went to the Southern States uh, down in Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, I was, you know, oh, my God, look at these girls. You know, I'd always liked bodybuilder guys, but I'd never really seen, like, figure girls in person. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this is, you know, the coolest thing ever. So uh, I was at my gym. And at the time, I didn't know one of the trainers. I would always been too intimidated to go talk to her. Her name was Sunny Strayer. And so I met her in the bathroom, and um, and I was just, I, yeah, when I was just, I was in the bathroom, yeah, awkwardly like nervous to talk to her. I was like, that's oh. perfect for you, by yeah, the right. Way. <laughs> so you know, oh hey, you know, so did you go to the show? You know, just trying to like, you know, casually talk to her, and then um, I said something about loving the figure girls, and she's like, you know, I was like, oh, I couldn't do that. She's like, why not? And then that just kind of stuck with me. You know, why why can't I do this? Of course I can do this. So I went to Florida State the, um, after that summer, started my freshman year, and you know, not really having any bodybuilding guidance at uh, Florida State was pretty tough. You know, first year freshman, you know, trying to get into weight training, but you know, Tallahassee is a party school, so it was just you know, no <laughs> real guidance, and you know, but I always lifted, I always you know, measured my food, and you know, this and that. Um, I was studying dietetics at the time, so I wasn't completely you know, clueless to what was going on, but. And then I, you know, I'd said, oh, I want to do a show, but then I kind of had, like, certain injuries and this and that, and then I came home, and Sunny's like, no, you're doing the show. You have eight weeks. Like, get it together. And I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> so, you know, 19 years old, let's pick to do Southern States, you know, the biggest qualifier. Actually, Lauren, <laughs> I, I know Sunny. I've, I've met Sunny, and I know what she would say. Lauren, you are doing this show. You are not backing up now. Yeah. Sunny is um, from Germany, so she has a very thick accent, and so and when she says things like you just do them, like okay, I'll listen to Sunny. Um, so I did the show again, not really knowing anything. Kind of, you know, I knew how to train, quote unquote. I knew how to eat, quote unquote. And then you know, I, I did it. I was nineteen, did like the novice figure. So it was a great experience, but I left like, holy shit! I kind of need to know what's going on before I I do this again. Um, but probably the best experience from that was. When I asked her for help, you know, oh, what should I do for my diet? What should I do for this? She was like, I don't, I'm not writing you a diet plan. I'm not writing you this. Like, you figure it out. Like, you need to learn for wow. yourself what to do. And I was like, well, it's pretty scary, but okay, I guess I'll, you know, I'll go with that. And that really stuck with me and that really helped me kind of the next two years before I even contacted Lane, just kind of learning for myself and not really thinking, oh, I need to eat off this meal plan. So, a trainer gave me one time. Like, I actually was just learning for myself and, different choices so so essentially you were forced to teach yourself how to count macros on your own before it was really a, a thing a i guess thing, yeah and like i said i was dietetics florida state i'd always had kind of a background in nutrition and so i didn't really know macros and i didn't even really think of them necessarily i just i always measured my food so i was mm -hmm. inherently obviously doing it but mm -hmm. you know okay here's what a X amount of portion of meat looks like I'm gonna have half a cup of carbs and I'm gonna have this and that and so I kind of always did that and you know with little guidance I didn't have a coach I didn't have anyone and I, I actually was friends with all the guy bodybuilders so you know whatever they did that's what I was kind of doing just a little bit less <laughs> um so I just kind of you know learned from my friends and the magazines of course and had my cheat meals and you know this and that and uh, like clockwork you know every week gallon of frozen yogurt from Publix. That was my jam. <laughs> um, and that was just, you know, my thing. And then when I started, you know, working with Lane, he's like, no cheat meals. Here are your macros. And I'm like, what is this? This matrix? And <laughs> no cheat meals. Yeah, what is this matrix? Like, yeah. I'm so confused. Right. Um, but then Lane's I was, so mean. Yeah, I was like, what do you mean? But, you know, after three weeks, I got the hang of it. It's not rocket science, you know. Um, and it's... But it is science. But it is science, <laughs> but it's not rocket science. It's... <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, and that's that's actually we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later, but that's one of my kind of big rants I go on is I had somebody actually uh, contact me a while ago, and they're like, I I, I want to do macros, which by the way, you, everyone does macros. And that's like that's like saying it's like saying I'd like to do gravity. Well, you're already doing gravity, trust me. Um, but but the, well, I I, just, I don't want to eat pop tarts and ice cream and well. well you don't have to. You can eat. It just basically says you can, you know, if you if you don't want to eat those things, then by all means, don't eat those things. Actually, there was a thread on bodybuilding.com a while back. I remember uh, started by Eric Kernrick, actually. It was called IFYM, Eat That Shit. 
And basically, because he started, because everybody would be like, well, can I have this on this diet? Can I have oh. bananas? Can I have apples? Can I have ice cream? Can I do? And Eric would just always be like, eat that shit. Eat that shit. Just count it. Eat that shit. You know, so it was uh, kind of interesting how that started out. But yeah, you you can do IFYM, flexible diet. I mean, it's flexible. It says flexible yeah. for a reason. Yeah. So anyways, we're going to come back to that and um, uh, talk to Lauren a little bit more about her, her coming up in college and, and getting into competing. Uh, you're listening to Physique Science Radio. Hey guys, Lane here. Well, you all know how much I love variety in my diet. I can't stand eating the same bland food every single day. That's why I love www.myoatmeal.com. It's an amazing website where you can go and customize oatmeal. I know, I know, I know. Why would I want to go customize oatmeal? I can eat it right out of the bag. Well, let me tell you why. MyOatmeal.com has 22 billion combinations of flavors and ingredients. You heard me right, 22 billion combinations. Whether you're picking out a pre-made blend or making your own customized blend, they have all kinds of flavors. Want red velvet cake? No problem. Snickerdoodle? You can make it happen. Butter rum? Oh yeah. Cheesecake? You can get it done. And you have all kinds of additives you can add. Apples, raisins, pears, nuts, all kinds of seeds. And you can sweeten it any way you want. Need to eat gluten-free? No problem. They've got it. The best part of it all? The macros are listed as you're customizing your blend. And they change depending on which ingredients you add. Eating a little bit lower carb? No problem. Choose ingredients that make your carb count lower. Need more protein? Add higher protein ingredients. You can customize your blend to make it almost any breakdown that you want. And the prices and macros change as you change your blend. So go on over to www.myoatmeal.com and check out some of the blends that have already been made. Or be adventurous and make your own. That's myoatmeal.com. Check it out, guys. Hey guys, one of the things that's always on my mind is how can I give back to the industry that has done so much for me? That's why we formed the BioLane Foundation. The BioLane Foundation is a philanthropic initiative to raise money for grad school level research that is going to contribute to the fitness industry. And 100% of all your donations will be paid out to students. If you'd like to donate, you can go to BioLane.com, click on the About tab, and click on BioLane Foundation, and you can put your donation in through there. Or, if you're a student and you'd like to apply for a grant, go to BioLane.com, click the About tab, BioLane Foundation, and you can find the applications online there. Thank you guys so much, and I'm looking forward to all the great research that comes from these donations. We're back on Physique Science Radio, and we've got our guest here, Lauren Conlon, IFBB Bikini Pro. And uh, Lauren, talk to us a little bit about, so we talked about your first contest, we talked about you going to FSU. Now you, you were originally dietetics, you changed majors. Why did you change majors? And then also, um, I think this was a year that we got in touch. How did you get, uh, what, what led you to me essentially? And, uh, and then how did things change after that? But yeah, like I said, I started dietetics, Florida state. I'd always loved, you know, food and nutrition and that's what I thought I wanted to do. And as the coursework got deeper and deeper, I realized that it was more about, you know, the control of what the FDA says and this and that. And I just, I didn't see myself going in the direction that I wanted to. I didn't want to be a clinical dietitian. I didn't want to do anything like that. So it was the end of my sophomore year, a little late to switch majors, but I uh, started talking to one of the advisors and he was like, well, if you really, really, you know, want to graduate on time, you can. So I switched to exercise science, uh, which is very pre-med focused at Florida State. So there was a lot of classes, you know, all the orgos, all the bios, all the physics that I didn't have to take for dietetics that I now had to finish <laughs> in my last two years, which was pretty tough, but uh, I'm glad. I, I'm so happy, thankful every day that I switched. And at the same time, like Lane said, I one of my friends, uh, we were working out one morning and I had always thought about, you know, I want to qualify for a national show. I feel like I need to have a coach. And this was when kind of all the coaches were, it was getting bigger and, uh, you know, all the big name teams that there are still now, um, that was kind of taking off. And, um, I wasn't really sure if I was going to fit in with that kind of 
you know, environment and that kind of coaching. So I was kind of just hesitant, but I didn't really know what to do. And my friend, Melissa Isaacs, she was like, oh, well, I train with, you know, Lane Norton. I'm like, yeah, okay. You know, yeah, let me just contact Lane. <laughs> and she's like, well, why not? And I was like, well, he's probably really busy. He's not going to answer me. She's like, well, what if he says no? Then he says no, but, you know, just contact him. I'm like, okay, what, what the hell? Sent him an email, and this was before, this was right before pretty much metabolic damage videos came out. So cool. I was, um, or something, so, something like that. Yeah, I snuck in, and um, we've been working together ever since. And it's been, you know, that obviously changed, you know, everything. Like I said before, I was measuring my food. I had my cheat meals, you know, didn't really know what I was, you know, doing. Oh, I would need to lose some weight. Let me do the Stairmaster, and I'll cut out some carbs. But there was no real direction in what I was doing, so kind of spinning the wheels, getting nowhere fast. Um switched to macros and you know we did three months together mm -hmm. you said i said oh i want to do southern states that's what i want to do so you know contacted him late december we started working together in january did a three-month reverse and then a three-month diet um and like i said switched to macros which i you know never done before and to a lot of people who who don't do it it seems extremely overwhelming and trust me the first couple of weeks i was like what am i doing like I don't even know how I can live like this every day. But after it was like the three week, you know, period. And then, you know, it just becomes normal. I mean, you eat the same kind of foods most days. It's not like this big tricky puzzle of like these scary things. You know, it's just food. Um, so it just became part of my lifestyle and I responded really well. And it made it f most definitely a lot easier to diet because without really knowing where I was at, I was just invariably being inconsistent without even trying to be, but some days you eat more than others. And then if you're always fluctuating, you can't really, you know, you don't know where to start for your diet. It just makes it more difficult for no reason. And then what did we do? I did two shows that summer. Mm -hmm. I did a warm up show, which, um, I didn't plan on doing, but did that a couple weeks before I did the Anna level. And then That's I a theme with you. Yeah, I know. I, I tend to, do more than I should. Uh, so I did a show a couple weeks before we planned, and I won that, which qualified me already for national. So okay, sweet. I you know set did the goal, but I still want to do Southern States because it's you know like I said the biggest one of the biggest shows in South Florida of the year. So did that, and I got fourth in the open, which I was pretty proud. Um, when you were still a figure back then, right? That was figure. That I um I'd always done figure. My very first show I did figure. I'd always trained to be a figure girl, figure, 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 and. Um, so after that summer, I, you know, called Lane. I'm like, I want to do nationals. And okay, well, let's, you know, I don't know what I was thinking, but I just really wanted to do it. And so, you know, I'd, I wasn't too low at that point. You know what I mean? So it was, it was a good place. I could still diet. And then, uh, so I took a couple weeks off to reverse. And then I started right back on prep and all the way through the end of the year. And I did nationals. So that was last year's national, 2013. Mm -hmm. Still doing figure. And, you know, I mean, I had, there is no comparison to doing, you know, a regional show and then going to, you know, nationals. Uh, so, you know, third call outs, you know, sad story. Oh, you know, I looked my best, but, you know, you just, you know, didn't place that well. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you I, I wanted to bring up something real quick um, that, yeah, I mean, you were basically running into and, and you're, are you, are you, you're 23 now. 22 still. You're 22 still. Okay. So we started working together when you were just on, just, ju you were at, you were 20 about to turn 21. And, um, I think what we found was that at, you know, you were, you were doing really well at local and regional shows. You were winning those, uh, or placing really high. And then when you get to the national level shows, junior nationals, nationals, you just didn't have enough muscle mass. So, um, let's talk a little bit then about what prompted the move to bikini and how have you, because you're, for anybody that knows you, uh, you would not peg your personality as bikini. You, you know so what I mean? You were so reluctant. I remember you were like, Oh, I don't want to be a bikini girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so talk about that. Uh, I know a friend of ours kind of can kind of put the seed in your head and, uh, talk about that. How was the switch? You know, why did you, you know, finally decide to do it? And, and, and how do you like the division compared to figure? Well, so after nationals last year, you know, third call outs, okay, let's, you know, take an off season, get ready for next year, add some more muscle, this and that. Things didn't go as planned. I had several really big injuries, you know, tore my hamstring, had shoulder, you know, dislocation, all these things. Uh, so came into junior nationals, you know, still looking better than I had at nationals, 
but again, just not enough size. The the density, the muscle maturity, the way that figure is just kind of taken off. It's changed a lot in the last year. I just I just you know same story. Third call out, you know, just didn't stand out. So I came right after Chicago. Came right to Lane's camp. Uh, it was the next week, and I remember hitting a front pose for one of the for Doctor um, Doctor Joe. Yes. And you know the the front pose is you know the most muscular for figure. You know I'm trying to look big, and uh, Diana Dahlgren was like, "Why aren't you doing bikini?" And I was like, "Shit, I, I try to look. I'm looking big right now. Like what are you talking about?" And uh, and she's like, "This is bikini." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And um, she's like, this is what they want now. And we started looking at pictures at the show I had just come from where everyone, I kid you not, everyone was asking me, oh, where's the bikini meeting? What bikini Ooh. class are you in? Oh, are you a bikini girl? And I'm like, I'm a figure girl. What are you guys talking about? And then I started looking around at the bikini girls and I was like, I kind of look like a bikini girl. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's what they want at the higher levels. They want more muscle. They want, you know, they want definition. They want leanness, but it's not the size that figure has, which is what I'm lacking. So after, you know, reluctantly, tell, you know, Lane was, Lane was reluctant too. It wasn't just me. Um, and then he saw me pose and he realized that it was a lot better. So I was surprised. It, right? So I got Sonny's approval and Lane's approval. So we were good to go. And we went to a conference. And then the next weekend I did another regional show. And I ended up winning that in bikini. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. So it was a week later. We went to... Uh, Team U in Jersey, I got uh, fifth there, so that was pretty awesome for my first, you know, that was my third national show, and the other two I had barely even looked at, so that was, you know, not, obviously no pro card, so I decided two weeks, we'll go to Vegas for USA's, let's go out there, and I got third, which was, which, yeah, top two get their pro card, so that was an extremely honorable experience to get top three at, you know, the second biggest national show, but also very bittersweet, because, you're right there, you know, so close, but, you know, not. Um, and then I really had said, okay, I'm done after this. I'm done. I'm done. Done. I competed a lot. And then I was like, well, I got third. So we got to do national. We got to do nationals lane. Come on. Um, Cause North Americans was the same weekend that grad school started. So I wasn't going to be able to swing that. So I said, let's do nationals. It's in Florida. I don't have to travel, you know, we'll figure it out. And honestly, I have to say that I, you know, it was my hardest prep to date but I'm very happy that I made the switch to bikini. I love where the division has gone this year and will continue to go. And I really feel like I can fit the mold. It took a lot of work on the presentation part, but um, it, it definitely, it's, it's, it's very fun. It's, um, it's not as rigid as figure on stage. You get to have a lot more personality, especially as the pros, you have more time, this and that. But so I really love everything so far, maybe in, you know, 10 years, I'll, be a figure girl because I just love to lift heavy and I might not fit bikini at that point but who knows I mean we'll just kind of it keeps changing every year so I'm just taking it as it comes so you you mentioned you love to train heavy and that was actually gonna be my next question so talk about your talk (laughs) talk about your training a little bit um I think a lot of people were even girls at your show were very surprised uh, when they asked you, you know, what you do because obviously you look really good. You ended up winning. There's a lot of people asking you what you do. Um, asking, like, how much do you lift? How much do you deadlift? Oh, yeah. I got, asked, I got asked that on an interview. I was pretty embarrassed. Was oh, you yeah. Oh, yeah. Was yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> so, Not that much. <laughs> so, no, but, I mean, Lauren, so I, I mean, I know the answer to this because Lauren and I kind of train together. Um, but, but, yeah, talk about um, – what you do, you know, what's your style of lifting and uh, why you think that that benefited you? Well, I think that is the is it called power building? Is that what it's officially called? (laughs) So it's a mixture of power lifting and bodybuilding is what I've adopted to be the best for me. I've done the just bodybuilding approach. I've done the just power lifting approach and I've done the combination and that works best for me, for my body, which is extremely injury prone and also for my physique. Uh, so I, you know, I have two squat and deadlift days a week. I have two, you know, bench and overhead press days. And then I have, you know, I do a ton of accessory work before and after my lifts. And then I have two just hypertrophy accessory days. And if I have to do cardio, if Lane tells me to, I will. But most of the time I don't do any cardio, so that's great. Um, and hey, I, I never want to tell you to have to do cardio. <laughs> but, hey, you're, you're the one who wanted to diet, yeah, so I had yeah, to do yeah. something. So we don't don't blame, have, don't blame Lane. <laughs> we don't really do a lot. Of, I get away with not doing a lot of cardio, which is nice. Um, but the heavy lift that that's why because I you know I'm training for two hours a day. I'm actually lifting 
um, you know, people do two hours of cardio because they do, you know, only bicep, you know, isolation curls. You know, I'm actually training. You know, I do that too, but I, I do everything. And that's really benefited my physique. Uh, you know, it's benefited me being able to diet easier than some other people. Um, and that's been my longevity. I mean, I've done eight shows in two years. Most people wouldn't be able to do that if they didn't have any muscle mass. And training heavy is what gets my muscle mass. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot. That's one thing, Sohi. I want you to comment too, because you've worked with a lot of people who have reverse diet or who had metabolic issues. Um, one thing I see a lot of people have is they get so focused on their cardio and they forget that you know lifting is your most powerful body composition changing tool. Uh, you can do as much cardio as you want. You can diet however you want. But actually, what changes your physique is lifting weights. And uh, I'll tell people, you know. If you're in some kind of physique sport, whether it be bikini or it's figure or bodybuilding or whatever it is, does it really make sense to be doing two hours of cardio a day and only lifting for an hour? Mm -hmm. Aren't you going to be more specific for your goals to change your physique by actually lifting more weights? And it's always funny because people people go, well, I don't want to overtrain. Okay, but you'll do two hours of cardio. You don't think you can overtrain doing cardio? You absolutely can overtrain doing yeah. cardio. In fact, the research says that you're more likely to overtrain on aerobic exercise, which has a negative interference with lifting. So uh, have you seen that as well, that people tend to get very focused on cardio as opposed uh, to lifting? Yes, and I, well, the other thing too, and I'm sure you've noticed in the group as well, the, you know, the product, reverse dieting product customers group on Facebook that we have, is a lot of people tend to be very um, wary of, of weaning off the cardio even mm-hmm. they're like well like, should i just do like minus take off five minutes per week i'm like oh my god just cut it out <laughs> just cut it out um but we also we always try to remind people that uh, the the reverse diet will go more successfully you know if your volume if your volume and your, your training intensity stays high mm-hmm. and i've noticed as well for for clients who for whatever reason they're injured or something they can't train like they normally should Maybe they can only train two days a week, or they they're injured, so they can only do so much. Um, their their reverse diet tends to go a little bit, you know, not as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, I know Lane does things a little bit differently. But with me, uh, many of my clients they just do maybe one or two days of just you know short interval sessions as far as cardio, and even some of them don't don't do any because yeah. they don't act they don't want to, or they just they just responding so well that there's no need to add any um, any extra cardio at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I used to be kind of, well, let's do some cardio in the off-season because it's good for your metabolism and that sort of thing. And now I'm kind of like, well, if you don't want to do cardio, let's just lift more. I, I mean, I don't really. Yeah. It's interesting you, you brought up the, the lifting, maintaining intensity. I know, Lauren, because um, you've looked at this research and, and you've also, for yourself, kind of have observed this, that you thought your kind of recovery from contest and getting your metabolic rate back up to more normal after a show uh, was, was better when you were able to train harder. 100%. Uh, the times where I've come off of a prep and I've been injured or I haven't been able to train as well, I notice almost immediately how, you know, just badly, not only do I feel, but my physique can change so rapidly. Because it's very different when you're in a peak week and you're very structured and you're dieting. But as soon as you stop that dieting process, your body is just ready to just, you know, gain weight as quickly as possible. So the best times that I've had is when I go straight back to my heavy lifting and Luckily, uh, Nationals, the past few years, has been in Florida, which is where I'm from. So I'll go home and train at our gym, Power Sports Academy, and I, you know, it's it's a big playground for powerlifting and just kind of any athletic training. We have every, everything you can think of. And if I go right back into that type of training that, I mean, it's not going to say that I can't gain weight. Of course I do, but it really helps that suppress energy expenditure. And I'm burning a lot of calories, obviously, training and then post-training recovery, and it helps me eat more, honestly, which is why I love it, because I love to eat. And people forget that uh, muscle tissue is, one, metabolically active, but also just even if you're not even if you're not building muscle real fast. Like for me, I've been training 15 years. Um, am I going to add five pounds of muscle in a year? It's, it's just not going to happen, not unless I decide to, to not be natural anymore, um, which I would, I'm not going to do that. Um, but just the fact of training heavy, causing a lot of muscle tissue turnover, remodeling, even if you're, you know, you're causing muscle tissue breakdown and synthesis. And even if the net 
uh, is not muscle gain, just muscle maintenance. The fact that you're turning that tissue over t- costs energy. And people really forget that. You're not going to get that or, or not nearly as much of that benefit with cardio. So again, I, I, uh, and, and there's research out there that shows maintaining uh, training intensity will help prevent weight regain uh, after a diet. So I think that's one thing that I'm glad you brought up because that's, uh, that's very important. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about Lauren, and also we're going to talk a little bit about her uh, academic career. We'll be back. You're listening to Physique Science Radio. Hey, guys. You know me, and you know I love cooking up macro-friendly option meals. But sometimes when I'm always on the go, that's just not an option. So when I'm on the go or can't cook a meal, I love Quest Bars. You know I love protein and fiber, and these are packed with 20 grams of high-quality protein and super high in fiber. And it's easy to stay on target when you've got Quest Bars that you can bring with you anywhere. They're delicious compared to other bars that taste like bricks and leave you feeling gassy and bloated. So pick up a bar of Quest Bars today at questnutrition.com, GNC, and Vitamin Shop. Also, follow them on Instagram, at questnutrition, and youtube.com slash questnutrition for great recipe ideas to keep you on your goals but eating delicious. All right. Hey, guys, we're back. Actually, just on our break, I don't know why, but we tend to have our most interesting conversations on break while we're not being recorded. But we were talking about uh, a study (laughs) study that uh, recently that came out. Actually, I saw it because Brett Contreras um, tweeted it on Twitter. And so I went to read the study and it was about it was showing that um, people who who weight train or resistance train, they're they're better at maintaining uh, their waist circumference than people who do cardio. Um, I know, Lauren, you read more into the details of that, so can you tell us more about that? Yeah, they followed the guys. It was older males. I think it was 10, 15 years, something along those lines. And if they added in an additional 20 minutes of resistance training versus adding in an additional 20 minutes of cardio, they had lower waist circumferences, which equates to a lot of health benefits mm-hmm. You know, in the long run, this and that. It's a pretty cool study that you know they looked at that. And again, just... Contributing, I mean, we know that resistance training is right. king, but so many people get caught up in the cardio and, oh, I'm a couple pounds over my stage weight. Should I just add in some cardio? And I'm like, do you want to do a show next year? Like, do you want to, I mean, what are you going to do if you're off season doing three days of cardio? What are you right. going to do, six, yeah. seven, two days? Yeah. Like, I mean, I just, I would not even want to compete. Like, <laughs> I think a lot of people get caught up in the, in the idea of chasing calories. Um, and look, we're, we're, we're proponents of flexible dieting, counting your macros. But I think one thing to keep in mind is a lot of people say, well, you know, I overate by 400 calories, so I need to go burn 400 calories. The, the, it, see, the problem with that line of thinking is it's not that calories don't matter. Calories absolutely matter. And it is calories in versus calories out. But what makes up, we've talked about this multiple times, what makes up calories in versus calories out is extremely complicated. And it's a moving target. It adapts. It changes. Um, just because a treadmill tells you you burn 400 calories does not mean you burn 400 calories. Okay. Uh, I've seen plenty of people. Highly inaccurate. Yeah. It's very, very inaccurate. And, uh, I mean the, the research data says that, um, especially once you've been dieting and doing a high amount of cardio for a long period of time, you get way less thermic effect of, of, of exercise, uh, than you would otherwise. So again, another, another, feather in the cap of resistance training and doing big compound lifts because they stimulate so much turnover um, is that you're, you're getting a metabolic effect up and above just a calorie burn. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get the calorie burn, but you're also getting a big metabolic effect. I can tell you uh, this past year, this is the leanest and strongest I've ever been in an off season. I mean, uh, Paul jokes with me all the time about when I'm going to get on a bodybuilding stage and I'm only about 10 pounds above my stage weight. Um, and I'm doing zero cardio right now. I'm eating over 400 grams of carbs on training days and hundred grams of fat. And, uh, but you know what? I do weight train for two to three hours, you know, so it is long, but I'm not doing any cardio and that's because I'm doing enough volume and sufficient intensity that it's, I mean, it's helping my body composition. So I think that's important for everybody to keep in mind. Uh, I do want to say that I, I do think that two to three hours is more the exception than the norm. So I don't want people to think that everyone should have to spend 
uh, that much time in the gym every, gym every day because, you know, not only is it a long time, but it's, you know, for a lot of people, it's very impractical. They have sure. full-time jobs and whatnot. Um, I, for one, uh, you know, I'm much smaller than Lane. I'm I'm 5'2". I'm, like, no, not, not even 110 pounds. Um, but I've been reverse dieting for the past two months since I competed. And, uh, you know, I'm eating, like, 800 more calories a day than I was when I stepped on stage and but I am training five days a week now I have cranked out the volume and the intensity of my training um but even so you know I've I put on maybe one or two pounds um since my show and which is you know really good um haven't binged a single time but as far as training uh I don't spend I don't spend two to three hours a day I for me I spend uh maybe absolute max an hour and a half and so I want to say, you know, it's very individual for someone like Lane, who's been training for a lot longer than I have. He's going to need to train a lot more uh, to get that same effect. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I, that, that's a great point. So he and Dr. Zordos talks about this, that, you know, you have to progress volume appropriately. And so for me, I'm interested in as strong as I possibly can, having already being over 700 pound deadlift, 650 pound squat, almost 400 pound bench for me to get stronger. That's going to require uh, unfortunately, a lot of volume, which means, I mean, I love to train, but if I had my druthers, I'd rather keep my sessions to about two hours. I'd rather not be in there for three, four hours if I can avoid it. But again, I'm training for something very specific and it is something that, you know, I can kind of justify that amount of time period because this is in a way my job. Um, but no, I would never, I would never tell somebody, Hey, you've got to go in the gym for four hours or whatever yeah. it is. You know, if you enjoy training, by all means do it. But I, you know, I, I don't mind doing it cause I love progress and I, I love, you know, kind of the science experiment that is modifying training. But yeah, I mean, there's some days where I'm like, okay, another set of squats. All right. But uh, I mean, it, it definitely, I mean, it's worked. It's worked. And especially when you diet too, it can get, you know, the last couple of weeks, yeah. especially if you've been yeah. dieting for several months before your current prep. I mean, it gets, it gets pretty taxing. And I'm not going to say that, you know, two weeks out, I'm hitting near maximal anything. It, it's all relative. Ten sets of ten on squats a week before your... Yeah, national. that's what I did. But it was, I mean, it was it was only like, what, 125? 130. Okay, wh- whatever it was for ten sets of ten. So that's, I mean, that almost killed me. But to me, at this point, you know, that's not that heavy. But when I was dieting, that was extremely heavy and that was crazy intensity. I, thank my boyfriend for that. I couldn't sit for like three days. So, but it worked, you know, that's what I do towards the end of contest prep. You know, I have high volume all the time. Like Lane, I've been obviously in the training as long as him, but I have been training, you know, kind of for consistently for my whole, you know, adult life. And I train six or seven days a week. That works for me. I'm not going to recommend that to everyone. If you can get results training five days a week or four days a week, then do that. But I love training and I need a high volume of training in order to see results. That's just what I found. For sure, yeah. I th- so I think the the moral of the story is, you know, if you can get by on less volume, the by all means get by on less volume, um, and progress it appropriately. And you know, but if you love to train, and you don't like cardio, by all means, train. Um, so Lauren, uh, you're in Dr. Bill Campbell's lab. We we had him on the show. He had, you know, he's a very cool guy. We love we love Dr. Campbell. Um, talk a little bit about what drew you to his lab. Um, and what you guys want to look at in terms of research. Well, so I had, you know, I had always wanted to grad school. It had been back in my mind. And then I came to camp one year and, you know, I was just kind of getting more in, in touch with everything. And so obviously I reached out to you because you're somebody who I look up to in that aspect. Uh, for those that don't know, she's referring to our VIP camp in Tampa, which where we have um, a lot of experts, probably the best experts in nutrition and exercise come and give seminars and instruct and whatnot and um not to not to tease you guys but it's it's really only available for my clients so um we do we do do camps around the states so if you uh happen to see one that comes into your area try to sign up for that because it really is an experience like no other um but yeah so that's what lauren is referring to is our our vip camp so that kind of solidified, you know, what I wanted to do. And so I took the, you know, necessary steps. He gave me, you know, a list of names for a lot of great professors. And, you know, I applied to a lot of those places, you know, things that I was interested in. And when I actually got accepted to USF, you know, Dr. Campbell called me and I was like, there, there's no way this guy's calling me, you know, because there's a yeah. whatever Tampa area code. And it's like, oh, and I was at the gym in the bathroom. Surprise. And uh, and so he was like, well, oh, started. yeah. 
hey, yeah. uh, this is Dr. Campbell. Is this Lauren? And I was like, oh, my God, you know, impromptu kind of interview, you know. And looking back, you know, it's so funny. I was so nervous talking on the phone and we're such, you know, he's such a great advisor to me and awesome to work with. And he has a lot of the same, you know, physique science type, you know, passions that I do. And he has a lot of the same questions. And, you know, for Dr. Campbell, it's not, oh, well, who's done this before? What's kind of the thing to do right now? You want to do it? Let's research it. Is there a question you want answered that we don't have the answer to? Let's do it. Yeah. You know, so open-minded. Um, and so it's it's been an awesome experience so far. You know, I'm I'm a nerd, so I like school. It can be stressful, but, you know, I love it. And uh, Well, I know that you, you're uh, working on a study right now, and you're taking the lead on it, right? You want to tell us about that? Yeah, so... Uh, we're actually, I'm going to do the IRB and uh, hopefully have that done by the end of January. And ideally, the study would be from May to November. And it's a six-month study, and it's going to be an inclusive versus exclusive dieting. So basically, flexible dieting versus a meal plan. And what we're going to do is we're going to give the the groups, you know, both isocaloric diets, but one is going to have three sample meal plans. You can only eat off of this, no exceptions versus here are your macros, uh, here's a scale, you know, necessary coaching for, you know, any kind of questions you have, but here are your numbers and, you know, choose what foods you want to eat on your diet. Three months study for the three months of dieting and we're going to look at, you know, different, you know, things. So resting metabolic rate, um, body composition. So, you know, fat mass, and then we're going to look at, you know, some muscle cross-sectional area, potentially look at, you know, hormone panels with blood and potentially have, you know, kind of include the psychological component, which I'm very interested in, um, as far as a questionnaire of, you know, your mood, your cravings, have you, you know, binged, this and that. Um, so we're going to follow them for three months, you know, at the end of every month, take those, you know, measurements. And then at the end of the three-month mark, thank you so much, uh, no more coaching, no more guidance, but just come back at the end of every month for the next three months. So kind of a post-diet follow-up with no intervention. And I'm really curious to see as, you know, who gains the most weight, you know, whose body fat increases, you know, if we do this psychological component, you know, what's going on in that part. Uh, So it'll be really cool. And to my knowledge, if anyone could send us some, you know, data that's like this, that would be great. But I have not found a study that looks at both sides, you know, the physiology and the psychology and a diet and a post-diet phase. So... Now you did. You actually sent me some studies that I'd, I'd never seen before, and they're really interesting. Um, so there, there is a little bit of data out there on flexible, on flexible versus uh, exclusive. Can you talk about that data a little bit? So all the data I found is it's great, but there's no intervention. So it's mostly questionnaire, self-report type research, which gives us a good lead in the direction of flexible versus you know restrictive. But there's no, you know, intervention place to see what is, is there one superior to the other? If there's not, great, do whatever you want, but is there one better than the other? So pretty much the conclusive, not conclusive, but the trend that I'm seeing is that, you know, the more flexible of the diet, the overall, there's lower BMI, you know, lower anxiety, lower eating disorders, this and that. And then, you know, the opposite is true, as you would expect for anything that's more restrictive. Um... And there's a lot of work by this um, Westenhofer. He's out of uh, Germany. And he had a lot of studies, especially in the early and late 90s, that were doing great research. Um, Journal of Appetite. That Appetite is the name of the journal. There's a ton of great stuff on that. And, I mean, anything you can imagine these people are looking at. But, again, there's no intervention. Then you go to the physiology side, and there's a ton of great research on weight regain and the physiology behind hunger and all this, especially from McLean and that group. But... They're not looking, a lot of them, animal studies, so they're not, you know, obviously asking the rats how they're, you know, how hungry are you guys? <laughs> um, so, you know, they have a lot of great just raw data, but there's nothing that kind of brings both of them together. Yeah, and just, uh, uh, this is great because this is what real scientists do. They actually, if they have a question, they don't just sit around and complain about it on the internet and uh-huh. and yell and scream to see who's going to be right. Uh, they actually go and test it. So that's great that, that Lauren is, is, is going to do that. Um, it's a question I've had for a long time. I mean, I, I think we know where I think the research will go, but this is why you test things because you don't know until you test them. Um, sometimes you don't always get the answer you think you're going to get. Um, so in Westenhofer, actually, um, that you brought him up, he actually noticed, uh, like you said, people who were more flexible with their dieting 
uh, actually had lower BMI. So, you know, it's BMI, so we can't say for sure it's body fat, but typically BMI is associated with levels of body fat. So and these are all pretty much untrained, normal population. So that's going to be more indicative of a, you know, an accurate BMI. Right, exactly. So people, as you get uh, into weight trainers and resistance trainers, the BMI becomes less and less uh, applicable. And I mean, some people would take that criticism and say, well, these people that you're looking at, you know, don't train with weights. And so they're, they're, you know, it doesn't mean anything for, and I actually just got in this debate on a, on another podcast. And I said, well, you know, weight training probably changes the magnitude of responses, but it's not like, I very much doubt it changes the directionality. You know, it's not like physiology reverses itself because you, because you start lifting weights. So, uh, but talk about, Westenhofer uh, noticed something like a disinhibition. Uh, talk about that study he did. You, the one, are you familiar, you familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah. So talk about that one that I thought was uh, pretty interesting and really jives with a lot of what I've observed with people who practice flexible versus non-flexible dieting. Well, so they're looking at this, you know, quote unquote disinhibition effect and they did like a pre, a lot of studies in psychology do preload with food. And so they give people, I think it was like a milkshake or ice cream or something of that magnitude and they eat it. And then afterwards they kind of assess, you know, where people are at and if they had a restrictive diet or something, you know, they just couldn't control themselves. And it was the typical, like, I've already had a bite. I've already blown this. Let me just go into it. And it was this, um, kind of, kind of the opposite of what you would think if, if a, you know, Normally, you'd think, oh, somebody's eaten something over what they should. They should just stop, right? But they saw, like, the complete opposite. It was, like, the paradox of disinhibition mm-hmm. or something. They, they labeled it like that. Mm-hmm. And so they're seeing a lot of that. And, you know, a lot of the questions that they ask in their questionnaires and things of that nature, it's, you know, if you have a flexible diet, you can have – you can – what did they, they observe things? Um, it was, like, if you – you know, you can plan ahead better. You know, yeah. you're not impulsive. You know, oh, I'm going to a dinner party. I'll allot for it. I'll eat smaller earlier. In this day, or I'll eat a little bit less the next day, and you kind of are more self-moderating in that yeah. aspect. Yeah, they, they, I think they noticed that the the people who were more had a more flexible diet model um, would would uh, kind of cut their cut the the meal shorter. Mm-hmm. So they they weren't they weren't going crazy on it. Whereas people who had a very rigid, if they ate something off that rigid diet plan, they they observed this disinhibition yeah. uh, issue where you know it, it's kind of like somebody who totally uh, abstains from something and then they do a little bit of it they go they go they enter what Corey props calls the uh, what the hell effect and they just everything goes to to shit essentially um so yeah that's that's i mean that's basically the 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 data out there on flexible versus non-flexible so it's gonna be really cool and again all that's observational studies and those are really limited in what we can what we can take from those and we always have to keep in mind the limitations with certain studies so it's gonna be really cool uh, to see what you can come up with, and we're going to use this now as a chance to 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 uh, prop your uh, experiment. So if you're in the Tampa area, Florida, um, keep an eye out for this. We'll be talking about whenever they're they're ready to get it going because they're going to need volunteers. Um, and this is, I mean, you're going to get a free, you know, diet program. You're going to get monitored. You're going to get all this information on you. So um, it's going to be something great for you to to check out. Uh, We're going to take a break real quick, and we'll come back and uh, wrap up this episode. We're talking with IFBB Pro and Master Student Lauren Conlon. You're listening to Physique Science Radio with Lane Norton and Sohee Lee. If you like what you hear and you'd like to learn more about us, read some of our articles, please visit my website at www.biolane.com and Sohee's website at soheefit.com. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you listening and hope to hear more from you in the future. We're back on Physique Science Radio. We're talking with IFBB Pro Lauren Conlon. Um, Lauren brought up something uh, during break, of course, because we always have these conversations during break, um, about the the misconceptions of uh, flexible dieting and IAFYM. It's not all Pop-Tarts and ice cream, um, although with me it's mostly ice cream. But but I I want you, because, you know, especially in bikini, I think there's, there's still, um, girls are very, I don't want to say they're very slow, but they're, um, bikini is very kind of unwilling to accept the idea that, um, in bodybuilding, especially in natural bodybuilding, there's been a, a lot of guys who've gotten shredded doing kind of IFYM. And sometimes women can, can have the opinion that, well, that's men, you know, they're different. They've got a different metabolism that won't work for me. I've got big legs. I've got this, I've got that, you know, it's different. Uh, and so I'm sure you've, you've, you've talked about, you've run into some people who have some misconceptions about IFYM. 
Can you talk about that? Can you talk about what it, what flexible dieting is for you? How because it's it's different for everybody. So what is it for you? Yeah, I get this a lot, and there is you know I really want to make people understand what a realistic flexible dieting prep is. If I'm going to be 10% body fat, I'm not going to get there, again, by eating in a caloric surplus, by eating everything that I want. Like, of course, there is a tremendous amount of sacrifice. You know, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm dieting for a show. Like, it's not a, it's not a cakewalk by any means. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think uh, uh, a guy on YouTube, uh, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to give him any more publicity, but he's, um, he's a young guy and he has a large following and uh, very outspoken. And he, he basically was like, well, I'm going to do IIFYM for a while and uh, show you if it works. And basically, he just ate pizza and crap all day and didn't, didn't really track anything. And he got fatter and was like, see, it doesn't work. And it's like, no, dude, you weren't doing – but, but I, I don't know if he quite understands that. Actually, I'm pretty sure he doesn't understand that. So, But, yeah, I mean that's – people see that and – Unfortunately, because nobody wants to post their boring foods on Instagram. So what foods get posted? The fun foods get posted, right? So everybody thinks that that's all flexible divers do. No one wants that. Yeah. Yeah, nobody, you know, nobody wants to see what eating, you know, a high, like lots of vegetables in a meal looks like. And the people who, who do that, they like to publicize that. Like I'm by no means like suffering and eating disgusting food. Like I'm eating what I want. I mean, I like what I'm eating. Obviously, it's not necessarily the portion I'd like to be eating or, you know, I don't want to maybe eat that every day. But, you know, it, that's just what comes with competing. There is there is sacrifice to be an athlete and then there is also the flexibility and the happiness of what food is. And that's why we have refeed days and, you know, it's my food is – I can't really complain. I mean, sometimes I've had to get pretty low for a little while, but it's, you know, I still eat. I still eat. Don't worry. Um, and I think, like Lane said, a lot of the bikini girls, they think, oh – we can't lift heavy, we can't eat a lot, you know, men are so different, and it really, it really, it's not like that, you know, I, obviously, I'm not going to eat as much as somebody who's, you know, 250 pounds, but I can still eat, I can still weight train, and if, and if you do those things, then you can eat more, and some people, some people don't like eating, that, that you don't have to be a person who loves eating, I happen to be a foodie, so I'm going to yeah. do everything I can in order to eat, you know, more and enjoy myself, that's just kind of how I think about it. And, you know, just these misconceptions on, oh, you can't do flexible dieting and prep and you can't do that. I care about my health. I, I care about my longevity. Like, obviously, I'm still young, but there is a point where that plays a huge factor. And I'm not just going to eat garbage all day. I'm going to make good choices, but I'm not going to suffer because I have to. I'm not going to eat something that makes me gag. Like, you will never catch me eat anything that I do not actually like and i think that's where the big issue with most people is they they follow people who are doing flexible dieting on their off season like oh of course you're going to be you know eating a ton if this guy's been reverse dieting for a year like you can't look at that um if somebody's actually prepping for a show and you know trying to get remotely you know lean and you know potentially win then there comes sacrifice and there comes a lot of vegetables Well, I, I think that's that's important to to, to point out. And I'll, I'll just use the example I always use, in that that's flexible dieting is like a budget. Okay, if you are a millionaire, if you make a million dollars a year, um, if you take care of your mortgage and you take care of your retirement and take care of all the stuff you need to take care of, um, is it okay for you to go out and buy a fifty thousand dollar car and and blow some money? Yeah, because you you've got that in your budget. But if you're making sixty thousand dollars a year and Buying that $50,000 car is going to make it so you can't pay your mortgage. You can't take care of your kids. Should you then do it? Well, of course not. Flexible dieting is the exact same thing, right? So me right now, I'm eating 400 grams of carbs a day um, in my off season. And I'm, I'm maintaining very easily on that. So can I afford to have a little bit of fun? Well, sure, because I can hit my, my fiber requirement. I can hit my protein requirement. I can do all that stuff. So if I want to have some ice cream or if I want to have a little bit of pizza, I can do that and still hit all my nutrient requirements. I'm not going to be deficient in anything. Um, now, if I'm down to, you know, in contest prep, when I, when I got down, I had to get down to just under 100 grams of carbs, which somebody my size, that's, yeah, that's pretty brutal for somebody my size. And um, I mean, so I, by default, you are going to choose more voluminous foods. You are going to choose foods with higher fiber content because in order to reach your target fiber goal, and I always say flexible dieting, you're hitting your protein, carb, fat, and fiber. Um, to hit those, you're going to have to get more voluminous foods, more vegetables, more of those sorts of things. And you're not going to, if you're eating 90 grams of carbs a day, if you eat two Pop-Tarts, that's 75 grams of carbs right there. Um, 
you're not going to be able to hit your fiber and, uh, requirement and all these other things. So it, it, it is a self-regulating model of eating. And all it is is just a, a system of being accountable. It's a system of being accountable. And further, um, you know, people, people will – I would rather have somebody 95%, 100% of the time than somebody who's 100% on 60% of the time. And that's what I tend to see, especially when, when I see people who are, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't like devolving it into clean eating versus IFYM. But people who quote unquote eat clean, what I tend to see is when they're getting ready for a show, they'll be pretty much bang on, at least for the first few shows. They'll be completely rigid and totally strict. But then when they're done and they don't have that show holding them to be honest, that's when they the, the wheels start falling off, the wagons start falling off. They start doing a lot of yo-yo dieting because they they're having trouble letting go of their physique, but they're also um, seeing that physique go kind of drives them to say screw it. And uh, so what I I try to get out of people is to make them be able to enjoy the process a little bit more and be able to keep their body a little bit more. Right. So nobody is arguing that a Pop-Tart is better for you than a sweet potato. That's not what we're arguing. But if having that Pop-Tart every once in a while keeps you from falling off the deep end and going on a binge, then it is better than that sweet potato in that case because everything has to be in context. Um, so while we're on that subject, what are your, what are your favorite uh, quote-unquote clean foods and then what are your favorite fun foods? Um, well... I mean, I really, I just love food. Um, <laughs> my, you know, obviously, I'm a girl. I love peanut butter. I love Everybody's over here getting yeah. married. And I'm just like, I love I pizza. Just, <laughs> I love wine. You know, ice ice cream is probably my favorite thing. Up top, yeah, ice cream. Um, you know, and then you know, clean foods. I love, I love meat. I love chicken. I love steak. I love eggs. Like, I, I literally eat the same breakfast every morning just because I like it. You know, egg whites, eggs, coconut oil, Ezekiel bread. You know, I love all that kind of food. I wouldn't be eating that if I didn't like it. Um, you know, fruits. You know, all that, all the. I don't know if that's clean, whatever. But um, you know, all <laughs> yeah, that, all that good ask. stuff. Um, you know, I do like, I do eat asparagus. Oh my god, I, I do flexible diet and I eat asparagus. It's crazy, <laughs> um, because I actually like asparagus. Um, but do you eat tilapia? No. Oh, okay. Do you want to get you want to get me on a rant? Is that what you're trying to do? Tilapia is by far the worst thing you could ever put in your body. I'm I'm a little bit of I do engage in you know health nut kind of thing sometimes and. Tilapia are literally raised in the most horrible conditions. And the fact that anyone would eat that is just beyond me, first of all. Second of all, these <laughs> girls come up to me and, oh, my God, where'd you get your extensions? Oh, my God, your skin looks so nice. Oh, my God. No, I don't eat the same five garbage foods that you've been eating. You know, and tilapia to me is just like, it's just poison. You know, it, it's just, I have such a negative connotation with it. Um, I'm not going to say toxic, and I hate that word. Um, <laughs> but it, it's just, oh, it just really grinds my gears. So please don't buy yeah. tilapia anymore. I know it's like a dollar cheaper than like chicken. Okay, just buy some chicken, please. Um, this has now become the loco show. <laughs> <laughs> this is the loco rant. Got, you know how they say they've gone um, full retard? We've gone full loco on this one. It doesn't thin your skin. It's not this magic food, and it tastes like garbage. It makes your hair fall. It just, oh, it is just awful. So please don't eat tilapia. Um, actually, that's that, that's interesting <laughs> that you, you bring up actually the hair falling out. I see that with a lot of competitors, actually. And uh, this is one of the things I, I hear about a lot. Another misconception of flexible dieting is, well, what about your micronutrients? I, I know you're hitting your macros, but what about your micronutrients? Look, actually, research says that the more variety you have in your diet, the more balanced your diet is, the, the better off you are in terms of your micronutrient distribution. In fact, um, I believe it was... Um, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think it was Eric Trexler was telling me when he was at Ohio State that they did kind of a preliminary, they took people eating kind of a, a non-restrictive diet versus paleo. And I think everybody, regardless of what your definition of clean is, I think most people would say, okay, paleo is quote unquote clean. Um, and actually the people eating paleo, while they were very, very high in some micronutrients, they were f almost frank deficient in other micronutrients. And that's because when you limit yourself to a certain amount of foods, you're, you're going to have deficiencies somewhere. And so, yeah, I mean, the, 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 that's one of those arguments that just doesn't hold weight when you look at the research. So, And I think the other thing to keep in mind about uh, flexible dieting is that uh, it's not about, okay, well, I mean, sometimes it is. I want ice cream. Okay, I can fit ice cream in. Okay. But it's about... If you're on a rigid meal plan, I've had girls or and, and guys tell me, you know what, 
I just I was I was glad that I got to pick steak one night instead of chicken or I didn't I could eat turkey instead of yeah. chicken or I could you know something you know yeah I mean I had a girl come to me and she's like you know do you think this is right because my coach is telling me I can't have I want I don't I want ground turkey instead of ground chicken because I like it better but he's saying no and the macros are exactly the same I'm like yeah you need to fire that person um and so, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's part – actually, Dr. Joe uh, talked about long time ago. Did you, did you – I don't know if you remember the story. So he, this is at, at the VIP camp. He said – and Dr. Joe, he never called it flexible dieting or IFYM. But when I worked with him – and this is when I first worked with him back in 2001. I worked with him too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we've all worked together. Um, back in 2001, all, all – all he gave me was macros. He just said, here, protein, carb, fat. There you go. And he said if you know, if, if clients asked for a meal plan, he would give them one. But he didn't like doing it because typically he'd send them a meal plan and then they'd be like, well, can I have this or can I have that? So I was like, well, why not just eat what the what macros say? Um, he said he worked with a coach when he was younger and he did not like, I think it was uh, broccoli. It was either broccoli or asparagus. It was one of those two. And he's like, can I, can I just change these out for some peas? You know, peas. You know, peas. And uh, the guy's like, no, you you can't have peas. And Joe's like, well, well, why not? The guy's like, well, because you can't, because I said so. And Joe's like, so this whole thing started because I wanted peas and I I couldn't get peas. So there you go. If if you want to, if you want to know the origins of kind of, I don't want to say we started flexible dieting, but I think you know, kind of this group of people helped popularize it. Um, It actually all started with Joe wanting peas and not being able to get peas. So thank you for that, Joe. Um, Lauren, I think we're about out of time, but uh, is there anything, I, I know you've started a new business venture we'd love for you to talk about and plug yourself. Um, and uh, I know you're doing a lot of posing practice for girls. Um, so is there anybody, uh, just first off, any plugs you'd like to make and then also anybody that you'd like to thank or, or that sort of thing. So go for it. Okay, let me try to remember everything. Um, so obviously, you know, big thanks to you showing me obviously all of this and being the best coach possible for the past two years and probably too many more to count after this. Um, you know, my where I train, Power Sports Academy, I, um, I've learned so much from everyone there, you know, Coach Herring, and it's a great group of people, and I thank you guys. And family, friends, boyfriend, everyone who has been so supportive since day one. I mean, I wouldn't be anywhere without them. And, you know, Dr. Campbell for giving me a great opportunity to be at an awesome grad program and kind of, you know, do what I want, which is, which is amazing. <laughs> and so, yeah, so the business, I just, you know, finally made the LLC. It's Loco Fit LLC. <laughs> uh, so that was, you know, kind of a cool name. And, you know, doing the online coaching, you know, customizable macros, you know, for contest prep and just for anyone, not just necessarily, you know, you're doing a show. Sometimes you just need a little bit of guidance, you know. And also going to be doing kind of what my niche I feel like would be the the posing and the presentation and the you know because I've been doing this you know pretty heavily competing for the past two years and I've been I did five national shows in two years and I know what they're looking for you know there's there's a really big difference in oh I just want to do a show and you know that's great it's a goal versus you know I want to go to nationals I want to place well you know there's a huge and you you worked with Sohi correct on her yeah. posing for her I show. did for your show and how did you do I did pretty well <laughs> <laughs> She also uh, fixed up my posing because when I had competed three and a half years before that, my posing was, uh, it was, it was, you should have seen her face when she saw me pose for the first time. It was, she, she, she saved me. <laughs> yeah. You did. You kept doing this weird yeah. thing with your hand and I don't know what was going on. That's what I was doing. Uh, but uh, yeah, Lauren can fix you guys and help you guys. It, part you're, of also, the, you're also partnered up with uh, Paul's company, yep. Pro Physique. So I will be working, you know, with Pro Physique and if you, you know, choose a contest prep package with him, I will, you know have X amount of posing sessions with you if you want. And like I said, the consultation, you know, anything from hair, makeup, you know, you get five seconds at nationals, you know, and you need to make that from your walk to your suit color to everything you can imagine. And, you know, what better, I've had all the experience and I just want to help all of you guys. And for those social media uh, junkies, what are your social media, uh, where can they follow you at? Well, I recently made a Facebook athlete page. Thanks, Elaine. <laughs> so Lauren Conlon, IFBB Pro, uh, that's, you know, my Facebook athlete page where I post, you know, articles and videos and things of that nature. Uh, my Instagram, Lauren Conlon, pretty simple. Same with my YouTube account, which I'll be starting to do more videos and, you know, training and video logs and anything, you know, you guys 
want to hear um, post and Lauren with an I, oh. not me. <laughs> yep, Lauren with an I, Lauren Conlin. We'll um, put it. We'll put it in the uh, in yeah. the text. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it in the text and uh, contact me for you know the Skype sessions for any girls who um, figure bikini in the NPC. And I would love to help you this year. There's a lot of shows coming up, especially in Florida. So good luck to all of you. Thank you guys for having me on the show. You're very welcome, Lauren. You were awesome. And uh, guys, we are glad to be back. We're going to start pumping these episodes out. And uh, we really appreciate you being patient with us. And we're looking forward to many more great episodes. Stay tuned on Physique Science Radio. (laughs)